Hi everyone, welcome to Diaspo. Today's Diaspo tip will be on accents. I will be joined by Professor Patrick Foyette later in the episode to share the tips, but first, let's set the stage for why it's important to discuss accents in the first place. Accents can be a marker of inclusion or exclusion. Like anything else, they are a signal of identity, culture, socioeconomic status, education, and depending on where you are in the world, your accent will be viewed negatively or positively. I live in the US and I have what some might consider a standard American accent, and I don't have a regional accent. Arguably, some people might say I have a Midwestern accent, but I don't I don't see it. So, my accent usually will stand out in places like the southern US where southern accents are prevalent. But it's not really until I'm traveling outside of the U.S. that I have an accent that's marked as being an American accent. So that's when I go from having what would be considered a quote-unquote standard native accent to having a quote-unquote non-native accent or quote-unquote non-standard accented speech. And I imagine that's how most people who have an accent that is considered to be the quote-unquote standard or quote-unquote dominant accent move in the world. They have the privilege of thinking that their accents are the norm until they're outside of their comfort zones. So we all have accents. It's just all relative. But in a world where studies have shown that accent bias can impact an employee's evaluation or perceptions of competence, how do you navigate school or work with an accent? Accent bias and accent discrimination is not something that's often discussed in the mainstream, but it's very real. So let's define what the terms accent bias and accent discrimination mean. Accent bias can be defined by breaking it up into two parts, own accent bias, which is the inclination toward and more positive judgment of individuals with the same accent as yourself, accent bias, which is the the inclination against and more negative judgment of individuals with a different accent. Now, accent discrimination means making a distinction in favor of or against a person because of their accent. In the U.S. and in some other countries, the government prohibits discrimination on the basis of national origin, which includes a person's ancestry, birthplace, culture, or surnames associated with a particular ethnicity. Because linguistic characteristics, meaning the language an individual speaks or the accent an individual has, are often associated with national origin, any laws that would require English-only language, for example, here in the U.S., or language fluency policies can be viewed as discriminatory, uh, depending on the case. And so discrimination based on accents is actually a federal law here in the U.S., So before we discuss the tips on how to navigate school or work with an accent, it's also important to know the research that's been done on accents because the research really underscores the importance of talking about accents and how to navigate with accents and also provides a basis for some of the tips. So the research I'm about to summarize is research that I found online, and I have linked the articles in the show notes. So if you want to read them, just click on the links in the show notes. 
So to start, research has found that those who have the same accent tend to cooperate more when presented with a common task and competitiveness is absorbed when an individual is paired with someone with a different accent. Research has also shown that non-native accent speakers are considered to be poor language users, less intelligent, less loyal, less competent, and they are fa- and they face prejudice and stereotypes. Studies also show that cognitive fluency and expectations that people have may play a role in accent bias. So what that means is that in terms of cognitive fluency, individuals prefer stimuli that is easy to process. So they're going to prefer accents that they're used to hearing because they're used to processing them. Also, when it comes to people's expectations, uh, the research showed that individuals have an expectation of how information is communicated. One study found that American participants chose a company or product when the message was read with an American English accent. The research concluded that when expectations about communication were not met, as in the message was read with an accent other than an American accent, a norm was violated and study participants chose the company or product that followed the norm. Researchers also theorized that bias discrimination likely stems from a high social identity and ethnocentrism. So the more an individual identifies with a social group or social groups based on factors the group uses to identify itself, and the more an individual sees their group as being the center of everything and the group against which others are rated, then the more likely that individual is to have a bias in favor of members of their own group and to discriminate against non-members. Non-native accents are used as a factor for identifying others as a member of a social group, and accents are therefore used as a basis for bias or discrimination. So now that we're on the same page about the definition of accent bias, accent discrimination, and we are familiar with the research behind what could possibly be causing accent bias or the impacts of accent bias, we can now move on to the ASPO tips. Uh, To start, we're actually going to have a guest, Professor Patrick Foyet, who's a professor of engineering at Pittsburgh State University in Pittsburgh, Kansas, join us to share how he navigates the workplace with an accent. Okay, Patrick, what advice, what tricks have you learned along the way on how to navigate the workplace when you are someone who has an accent? It's right to say that I have an accent. And just let you ask me from the question, that's a correct statement. And that's the same mindset that I have when I walk into my classroom, that I do have an accent. And I keep that in my mind. I know that at some point, my student may struggle to understand something due to my accent. Uh So to start with, having that mindset on my end put me in a position where I care more about how to navigate my accent and care more about making sure that I transmit the knowledge in a much more better way where they actually understand. So my approach is always, first thing, I let my student know that if for any reason my accent is a barrier between what I said and your understanding, feel free to stop me and then I'm going to repeat it. And when that happens, 
I just repeat it and understand that they have a different cultural background than me. And mm-hmm. that due to their culture and my culture, there can be that barrier and I try to work it out. The second one, after letting them know of this, it's how I prepare my classes and how I approach the teaching. Understand that communicating some information, transmitting knowledge requires more than just speaking. Mm-hmm. You have the visual aspect of it. So mm-hmm. I also try to write things more often. So if I say something and maybe somebody did not quickly catch that due to my cultural background and my accent, I'm going to write it on the board and also on the notes that I give to them. I try to write a little bit more onto those notes to make sure that in addition to my speaking, they can use my writing or the board to learn to get the knowledge that they need to get. So my as a general advice here to any diaspora, is it diaspora? Yeah, okay. diaspora <laughs> struggling or who may be questioning the accent. It's something real. It's something that you cannot really run away of from. You just kind of learn how to navigate with it. And the first thing is to acknowledge that you do have one. Mm-hmm. And that's such that makes you sometimes control yourself, speak loud and... If somebody does not understand, it does not lead into any type of frustration per se. It just makes you repeat more and making sure that you explain to the person what you want the person to understand. Thank you, Patrick. That sounds pretty straightforward. So basically what you're saying is just own your accent, accept that you have one and just be comfortable with it and be comfortable telling people to, you know, ask questions or ask you to repeat and then also when when you're communicating with others just take into account that there's other ways to communicate such as writing or anything else that can help writing yeah writing it's basically the second one that i use a lot into communicating my thought when i'm preparing my notes or when i'm in the classroom I try to use the board a little bit more. I try to make document available to the student more than my colleague will do. And mm. that's basically to make sure that if for any reason somebody is struggling, a student is struggling with my accent, that that cover that area. And I think it works because I, t- I do get some feedback from some student about my accent. Mm. But overall, I think it's a pretty, most of them, they have never really have significant or complain or some, some some feedback that I will really take it as a serious one regarding my accent. Okay, well, thank you, Patrick. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate your advice. I hope. Thank you. Thank you again, Patrick, for sharing your experience and advice. I have to say that his first tip to accept your accent is pretty profound. Generally speaking, acceptance is the first step towards personal growth and is an act that leads individuals to seek a formula to solve adapt, change, or improve a situation. So whatever your goal, whether that's successfully navigating the workplace with an accent or presenting to your colleagues without anxiety, if you're trying to improve and grow, start with acceptance. Just to add to Patrick's advice, another tip would be to breathe before speaking. Nervousness and anxiety and insecurity can cause people to stumble when they're communicating regardless of whether or not you have an accent. So breathe before speaking if you're feeling a little shaky. Another thing is to use synonyms. If you're trying to say something and the pronunciation is difficult, just choose another word that means the same thing. Another tip is to 
find ways to relate to those you're interacting with the most on another level just find some sort of shared experience or some sort of humor because understandability is also related to identity and commonality so if you can find things in common with the person you're communicating with whether that's like an experience maybe you guys go to coffee together or a sense of humor then it'll be easier to to relate to one another and instead of thinking about your accent when they're speaking they'll be thinking about all the things that you share in common and they'll start to what you're saying will start to register more so than the accent with which you're saying it. And this advice really stems from the research. Another thing to consider is learning that the terminology that's used in your field of work or field of study. Once you know that terminology, use that terminology. So that way everyone's using the same terminology and there's not going to be an opportunity for confusion. Another thing would be to understand the culture of your institution and to adapt to it. And by culture, I just mean what are the activities that people are involved in, what topics are they talking about, and how are they interacting with each other. So once you figure that out, start to mimic it. And so that way, because it's something that people are used to hearing and seeing, when you start to communicate in that same fashion about the same topics that people are talking about, everybody will have the same reference point. And so the communication is just going to flow easier. Of course, when it comes to culture, adopt the positive things. That would be my only side note. <laughs> Another thing to consider is to see what policies are in place and what practices are in place to prevent acts of bias and discrimination in your institution of work or learning. See what they have in place, what they have in place, and if they don't have anything in place, then maybe get involved in trying to get some policies and practices in place. It's, you know, probably not something that you're going to school or work thinking that, oh, I'm gonna get involved in this probably sounds really burdensome. So that's really just something to consider, not necessarily something that you have to do. And one last thing to consider is seeking out inclusive and diverse workplaces or institutions of learning. And you can do this when you're going through the interview process, whether that's recruitment for a job or student recruitment. And really, you can do this by doing some research online with the company, talking to people about the company or about the school, and asking questions during the interview process. So give those tips a go and let us know how they work out for you. Thanks again for listening. Have a great one.